Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am guest hosting this program today. This is Royce Hood, and it is so good to be with you. I am super excited because we have a very, very special guest. We have an author, Claudia McAdams. Is it McAdam or McAdams? No S, McAdam. Claudia Kanjilla McAdam. I love it. You know, for some reason, I always want to put an S at the end of everything. I don't know if anybody else does that either. It wouldn't really sound too good at the end of my name because then my name would be Hoods instead of Hood. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, Claudia, you are joining us from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And my understanding is um, you're not in Kansas anymore, right? Have there been some big tornadoes there? Holy cow. You know, Colorado doesn't get many tornadoes. Every once in a while, we get one. And last Thursday, we had one put a bullseye on our neighborhood. We actually had a tornado rip through our neighborhood in Highlands Ranch. And it left a little bit of a mess. Not a lot of houses, no houses destroyed. A lot of some damage to houses, chimneys off, you know, tree limbs through windows, that type of thing. But a lot of um, uprooted trees, toppled trees and broken fences and our trampoline took about a hundred yard journey over the fence and it's completely destroyed. So yeah, it, it was interesting, but we're all, no loss of life, no injuries. Everybody's fine. Thanks be to God. Thank goodness. Yeah. That's, um, that's crazy. I, it's interesting back in my Florida days, I'm originally from Florida, Claudia, and I, I worked in construction briefly one summer in college and we got a call for a missing roof in a neighborhood in Sewell's Point, Stewart, Florida, very multi-million dollar homes on the ocean. And this fella's roof on a portion of his house was just completely missing. And <laughs> where, where was it? And we, we were looking, there's no debris field. There's no roof shingles scattered everywhere. And I, I don't remember exactly. It might've been one of these like large aluminum things. Long story short, three or four houses down, all of a sudden there was a police report that a guy had a, somebody else's roof on the roof of his house. Oh a tornado had actually physically picked this thing up somehow intact and landed on somebody else's house. And uh, I don't even, yeah, that was above my pay grade to try to figure that one out. But yeah, tornadoes are scary stuff. So we're glad to hear you're okay. Now, we, uh, the reason why we wanted to have you on Catholic Conversations today is to talk about all of your amazing books. I am like habitually... ADD, which means I go in all sorts of different directions. And I can't help but think about the tornado for just one second before we get into your books. I was recently introduced to a guy named St. Crescent, an eight, uh, third century eight-year-old martyr whose body is in Galesburg, Illinois. Have you ever heard of St. Crescent by any chance? No, but I'm taking notes because this is interesting to me too. Tell me. Well, as an author and with some of your kids' books, especially St. Crescent is long overdue for a book. So if you end up, if this ends up being the big thing, just remember Catholic Spirit Radio in the credits somewhere. You've um, got it. All right. So St. Crescent refused to give up his faith and he was executed by an emperor by the name of Diocletian. Don't ask me. It's the caffeine talking how I pronounce that right. I might have pronounced <laughs> it wrong. Nobody will ever know. And Diocletian executed this boy. Long story short, his body was rediscovered hundreds of years later in Rome. And in the 1800, 1800s, a priest from Galesburg, Illinois, requested his body for some reason, uh, like, like this saint. And so they moved his body from Rome to, uh, to Galesburg. Now, before they got here, leaving Italy on a ship, the priest that was transporting the body was late and they missed the ship. And that ship actually sank and everybody died in the Atlantic Ocean. Oh so, gosh. right. So the next boat was successful and, and safely arrived. And uh, St. Crescent has been in Galesburg, Illinois ever since. Now, the myth is uh, tornadoes have gone all around Galesburg, but there has not been one tornado in Galesburg since St. Crescent's body has been entombed there. And He's uh, are sort of erroneously listed on a number of websites as a incorruptible. He is not, but he is a first degree relic because it's his body. And so no you can kidding. actually see his body covered in wax and you can see the wounds where he was executed. It is fascinating. So St. Crescent, maybe a future subject matter for your next book. I love it. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to be researching that because that that sounds fascinating. The whole story is wonderful. Well, Thank you, Roy. All right. Well, that I, I digress. So let's talk about you. Tell us a little bit, first of all, your website, 
ClaudiaMcAdam.com is awesome. You have got just a wealth of information. You've got a ton of book titles on there. Do you ever sleep? Tell us about yourself. How did you get into this? And, and tell us a little bit. Well, thank you. I, I don't sleep as much or as long as I would like to, but um, I, I don't mind. I love what I do. I grew up here in Colorado, and at age 10, I knew I wanted to be a writer. So I'm a cradle Catholic. Um, my faith has been invigorated more in my adult years, thankfully. I'm so, so pleased about that, and we can talk a little bit about that if you'd like, but I grew up here in Colorado, the oldest of eight children. At age 10, I started writing, and my parents and my teachers were very encouraging, and I knew at that moment that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, and that, that has been what I've done ever since then. I was published before I was out of college, uh, magazine and newspaper articles. I've always written primarily for the children's market, not exclusively. I write adult works as well, but primarily for the children's market. So children's magazines, highlights for children, uh, boys' life, cricket, those types of magazines and newspapers. And then I kept writing. I've been writing reading comprehension passages for standardized tests. You remember those awful things you used to have to take in school, read the paragraph and then answer the questions? Were those the multiple I, choice ones? Yes. Yeah. And I yeah. hated those because I, they were so <laughs> poorly written. And so now, as since I write them now, I've decided I'm going to make mine as interesting as any book I would write. And I love doing that work. So I've done hundreds of those, but I've also had the great honor and, and privilege of authoring more than two dozen books for teens and kids. And a lot of them are faith-based works from Catholic publishers, such as Ascension Press, Sophia Institute Press, Our Sunday Visitor, Tan Books. So I've been very, very blessed to be able to do that. And hopefully, as long as the good Lord allows me, I'll continue to do it. That's just so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, 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 there's so much there to unpack, and I, I could go all sorts of different directions. I love the fact that, first of all, you knew at a young age. Um, that, to me, says a lot. And the fact that you've, you know, that was sort of put on your heart. I mean, very clearly, this is, this is what you were called to do. And I tell us about the artwork. One of the things I love about the titles that I see is all the different artwork. Do you use illustrators? Or are you coming up with these ideas yourself? Like I'm looking at the title, for exa example, the picture book coming in spring from our Sunday visitor, St. Paul's nephew to the rescue. Well, that picture that you see on my website, the, my forthcoming titles are not yet illustrated. So I have generated using artificial intelligence. I've generated what I imagine book covers could look like. They won't, they won't look like that when the books are published, but it just gives the, the viewer an idea of what, what the content will be. So um, those are all artificially intelligent, artificial intelligence generated covers. But for my real books, my books that are already out, the different um, covers are due to by and large different illustrators working on those books. And usually the, unless you're an author illustrator, you don't do any of the illustrations. And usually you don't have any say in who illustrates your work. The publisher chooses the illustrator and puts the story they've purchased from the author together with the, the illustrator who will then interpret that work in his or her way. And I've been really blessed with the different illustrators that I've been able to work with. And, and it's so fun because they've lived in places from New York to Scotland to Israel, they live all around the world. And most of them I've never met, I've never talked to, I've never emailed with. So it's kind of a bizarre relationship that the illustrator and the author has. And it, it goes through the publisher. So the publisher will send me sketches that the illustrator is working on. And I can make, if there's any critical error or mistake or change that I would like to request, I can send that along to them. But I usually don't have a lot of requests. I've been very happy with the quality of work that these illustrators have done. And one of my previous books, Kristoff and the First Christmas Tree, was illustrated by a man who lived in Scotland. He now lives in Berlin. And when an illustrator was um, being looked for for my forthcoming book, one of my forthcoming books, the publishers asked me, do you have any you know, thoughts, any, any illustrator's work that you recommend? And I suggested this gentleman, and he's illustrating St. Paul's Nephew to the Rescue that's coming out next spring. So 
in a way, I've had a little bit of influence, but I generally don't. <laughs> How much fun would that be? Like you're, you come up with this great story and I'm looking at, um, let's see the, the your newest book, uh, uh, a miracle for Micaiah, or it's one of your, one of your newer books. Right. Um, and the, uh, the artwork on there is, is really fun. And I can, I can just imagine like you, you, you've put the work in, you've discerned and prayed and, and written this, this piece. And then you get to, you get, it'd be kind of fun to see it come to life. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so it tell, really is. Tell, tell us about Miracle for Micaiah. So my, the illustrator on that book. Um, Am I saying book, that right? Is it Micah or Micaiah? It, it's Micah. Micah. Okay, there you go. Micah, Micah. The illustrator uh, for A Miracle for Micah is Gina Capaldi. And she illustrated my previous book with Ascension Press called The Real Presence. So the style is, is very similar. And I love that because there's a, a continuity with, with the work. And she, she was very much like me when she was 10 years old. She knew she wanted to be a professional illustrator and she wrote to Norman Rockwell, the late great artist who did the Saturday evening post covers. And she wrote to him and and said, when I grow up, I want to be an illustrator just like you. And he wrote her back. And to this day, she keeps his notes back to her tacked to her art board. What an inspiration. Very, very cool. So tell us about, uh, tell us about a miracle for Micah, uh, and, and the artwork. And I was, you sent me a PDF of this ahead. And the reason why I want to focus on, and you brought this up before, uh, the real present and the miracle for Micah is, I mean, we're in this Eucharistic revival and there's this emphasis, a growing emphasis on the real presence. So can you tell us about these two books and we can start with the miracle for Micah? Sure. A miracle for Micah has to do with uh, reconciliation. So in a lot of my work, I love to do historical fiction. I ask my young readers to put on the sandals of a child who may have lived at the time of Jesus, who may have interacted with Jesus. So my main characters are kids who are the age of my potential readers, and they interact with Jesus. So this is a fictional set, you know, story, but set in, a, in an historical time frame. So in A Miracle for Micah, Micah is a young boy who's living in Capernaum at the time of Jesus. And when his mother sends him to the market to purchase food, he comes up with a different idea. He wants to use the money to buy a treat for himself and his brother. So instead of buying food, he sneaks onto Peter's rooftop and he's going to steal fish that are drying there instead of purchasing food. And at Peter's home, he witnesses Jesus perform one miracle after another. Because this is the setting of where Jesus cures Peter's mother-in-law, where he heals the paralytic that's let down through the roof. So Mike is there witnessing these miracles, but that's not enough to keep him from stealing. He does take the fish, but Jesus catches Micah. And at that point, the boy comes to realize that what he has done has not only hurt Jesus, but has hurt his brother who has seen him do the stealing. It's hurt Peter because he's taken goods that belong to Peter. And it's actually hurt himself because he, he has sinned and he's endangering his eternal life. So through the bountiful mercy and forgiveness of Jesus, he repents and he becomes part of a very special miracle himself. Wow. No, that is so much fun. I mean, that is the kind of story that needs to be like, it needs to be like a little like children's series. Or like a little, like a little movie, right? I mean, yeah. I, I'm always yeah. looking for things for my kids. It's, books are great, but like our kids love to watch YouTube. Uh, absolutely. It would make a great video presentation of some sort. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm all for it. So for your next homework assignment, after you're done writing St. <laughs> Crescent's book, we expect you to come back with a whole series, uh, a television series of some sort. You've got it. If you're not busy right enough off. already. So <laughs> let's do this. We've, we've only got a couple minutes left in this segment. I think at some point, if we're able to, we will, um, we'll sync up the Miracle from Micah trailer and, uh, and, and let our listeners hear that, or we'll post a link to it on the Catholic Spirit Radio website so people can check that out. And it's, it's great because you actually, um, you're, you're, it's your voice, I think, narrating that, that book trailer. 
Um, yeah, I actually, I created the whole book trailer. I got the sound effects and the background music and the illustrations. I put that together. That's one of the things I love to do. So, See, come um, on. You could totally do a, a series. Uh, you just get to work. I mean, come on. Don't, sleep is overrated and cleaning up after tornadoes. That's just a distraction. All right. So let's do this. You're, you're listening to Cat the Conversations. We're going to uh, cut to a break a couple, uh, a minute or so early here. And when we come back on the other side Claudia, we'll ask you about the real presence and we'll get into some of the details about some of your other work that's coming up. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. Stay with us. You're listening to Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal area, 309 827 7780. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. We just want to be sure to thank all the sponsors of Catholic Spirit Radio. Be sure to check them out. And if you haven't done so already, go to catholicspiritradio.com and download the app. You can listen to this program and other great programs anywhere you are, and you can share it as well. So you can hit the little, you can just forward it. If you're, I do everything on my phone and there's a little box with like a, a thing that points. And if you press that, it will share it to everyone. So super cool feature. Do that. Be sure to share the app so that other people can listen. And I'm Royce Hood, guest hosting this program. Also, be sure to check out my other program, Truth Culture Life, on Saturdays and Sundays on Catholic Spirit Radio. So without further ado, we are still joined by Claudia McAdam, an author extraordinaire. You can look at her titles and read all about all of her different books and projects at ClaudiaMcAdam.com. We were just talking with Claudia about A Miracle for Micah, which in my Typical fashion, I always do a great job at mispronouncing things, so that's like part of my trademark. Claudia, you've been so gracious. Let's let's talk some more. Let's talk about The Real Presence. The Real Presence is a book that deals with the Eucharist, and again, it is historical fiction, and it follows two cousins who are named Zedekiah and Abigail. They are living in Capernaum at the time of Jesus, and they argue about everything, so they're like, like siblings. You know, I, I know my siblings, I have seven of them. To this day, we, we bicker and, and a gathering wouldn't be a gathering without us arguing about something, all in good nature, of course. These two young cousins want Jesus to judge which of their family's crops is better, grain or grapes. So um, Zedekiah's family grows wheat and Abigail's family has a vineyard. So they want to know, they think their respective produce products are the better and they want to Jesus to decide which is better. So they're going to ask him, which they, which does he think is better? And they search him out and they find him in, in the synagogue in Capernaum. And they're going to ask him their question, but this is when Jesus is giving his bread of life discourse. So they witness that and they see the disruption that that causes uh, and the people who leave Jesus because of his teaching about his real presence. 
So they hold off on asking him that question. And the two of them actually debate about what Jesus meant when he said, you must eat my body and drink my blood. And when they find themselves in Jerusalem at Passover time, visiting the home of their aunt, who is the woman whose home the Last Supper occurs in, they find Jesus and his apostles there, and they're able to present Jesus then with the loaves and the wine that they have produced. And they witness the first Eucharist. They witness the, the consecration, and they come to understand what Jesus meant by eating his body and drinking his blood. So that's the storyline for that particular book. Wow. I, I love it. I mean, again, just so powerful. And obviously these, I mean, these are books written for children. What age group do you imagine these would be appropriate for? You know, I, I like to think of all my books as family books, because I know you must, with your family, you must get a book and everybody gathers around and, and either an adult will read it or a child, if he or she's capable of reading, will read it. I think these books are, are geared to early elementary school. And of course, the listeners would be younger than that, even, you know, kindergarten uh, preschoolers. But especially for kids preparing to receive the sacrament of reconciliation and their first Holy Communion, these two books are great ways of introducing those subject matters to these young kids through the eyes of kids who could have potentially lived back when Jesus did. So they're, they're family books, but I'd say the four to eight year old, um, eight, nine year old age group is probably the target audience. I love it. That's great. I recently, I post a lot of things on my Facebook page and uh, I have different websites and stuff. And I, I got a, a message from somebody the other day, a young lady that I know from Florida saying, you know, Royce, what, you know, her husband is not Catholic and she is and sort of having a, a coming back to the faith and really wants to introduce her children to um to the faith and so she was asking for recommendations on on books and i would think some of these would be kind of a a a really great way to really introduce a whole family to some of these subjects in a very presentable way um so i i love that i love i love that you're you're so mindful of your quote-unquote demographic if you will being the Mm -hmm. family i think that's very powerful what it is and it's amazing too it's amazing too what parents will learn by reading a children's book that they may not have known too. You know, that's so funny you say that. We have some friends at homeschool and we've, we have we may end up doing that again. We did it once and during the pandemic, it was a, r- a rough year for us. But uh, one of the funny things that one of the moms talks to us about is like, you know, it's amazing. Like when I was in school reading this information, I had no clue what it was about. And now I'm teaching it to my children. It's like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes when, you, when you're presenting and explaining things and being forced to you know, ex- explain. And it, it's, it's amazing how it can help it click. So I love that. Great stuff. What, what is your inspiration? I mean, I imagine each of your books are probably a little bit different. Is there something in particular you draw your inspiration from? You know, I, I, boy, I always wished that I had had the opportunity to live at the time of Jesus. I, I used to put myself back in that time frame in my mind and think, um, how would I have reacted? Would I have been a disciple or would I have poo-pooed what he said and abandoned him? Um, if I saw him walking by on his way to his crucifixion, would I have been as brave as Veronica to step out and wipe his face? It's a challenge to me. And I wanted to give that challenge to other young readers too, to put themselves actually in this story. You know, St. Ignatius uh, has taught us how to read the gospels by entering in with our whole minds, you know, our feeling the, the senses that what you see, taste, smell, hear, touch. If we read the gospels that way, it's a, it's a very profound way of entering into the story. And that's what I like to do with the books that I write, whether they're picture books for kids or my young adult novels that are biblical historical fiction. Yeah, that's great. What are your, I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of how, are there any p- titles that stand out in particular particular, like, you know, how, how a family could help prepare their children to, you know, receive their first communion or, or even go to, you know, confession for the first time. Are there any books in particular in your collection that you think would be geared towards that for families to consider? Well, sure. Sure. The, I think the real presence, if you're preparing for first Holy communion or uh, a miracle for Micah, if you're preparing for reconciliation and then, you know, here in Colorado, we have the restored order of sacraments. So our, 
young kids, when they make their first communion, they are also being confirmed as eight or nine year old, seven, eight, nine year olds. So my, my next book that's coming out from Ascension Press is called The Day God's Helper Came. And it's about Pentecost and the Sacrament of Confirmation. And with all my books too, Royce, I always prepare a pretty detailed discussion and activities guide for families to use. If those are available for free at my website, ClaudiaMcAdam.com. And in those guides, there's fun things for kids to do. You know, there's a maze, there's a word search, there's fill in the blank, there's a coloring page, there's fun things to do. But there's also deeper discussion questions about, oh, say for a miracle for Micah, you know, what, what Micah was doing, in what way was that wrong? You know, so the kids can think about that and discuss it. So there's ways for families to use these books, but in a deeper way, not just for entertainment, but for actual learning and preparing for the sacrament. I was going to ask you about the discussion and activity guides. I, I think that's a terrific resource. Have you ever um, thought about trying to place these books in like Catholic schools or um you know, even like CCD classes or anything like that. That'd be wonderful. And I, I do a lot of marketing and my publishers too do a lot of marketing. So that would be, you know, the sales staff with the respective publisher. Those are markets that they would go after. But wouldn't that be wonderful to have those available on mass? Uh, I would love that. Yeah, especially the the activity and study guides. I could, I mean, that our kids love mazes and love little games and I think that's so thoughtful. So anybody listening, you can, again, go to ClaudiaMcAdam.com and there are links on there. The other thing that um, that we, we could talk about is the book trailers. Now, I'm involved in a lot of different productions from music to radio to movies. And every single project I'm involved with always has some sort of a teaser reel, a, a trailer or whatever. I have not seen as many book trailers quote unquote. So I think that's mm-hmm. really, really interesting that you've taken the time to produce some of those. Tell us about your book trailers and, uh, and where people can watch those. Yep. They're, they're through my website. You can click on any of the, the book titles that I've got there. I mean, it says, see the book trailer here and you just click on and there it is. Um, I love producing those. I'm, I'm a very visual person. And so that's just one more way of me for me to be creative. But um it's, you know, 90 seconds gives you a little snippet of a book and you get to see the illustration, you know, some of the illustrations and you get the storyline and it's just a foretaste of what the whole book is like. And um, children's books do have book trailers. A lot of them, there's a lot of them out there, but I make sure I do one for every book that I've got because it's an easy way for people to preview the book to see if it's something that appeals to them. Yeah. And, and, and people can watch those, uh, those, I mean, those are on YouTube predominantly, They're on YouTube. right? Right. They, yeah. They, the, all the links go to YouTube to, to, uh, play the videos. All right. Let's, let's do this. I want to find out a little bit about, again, kind of dig into your inspiration a bit more. I mean, I know what you've already said, but I, I want to go back to the fact that when you're a young girl, you knew, you knew you wanted to be an author. Did you know at the time that you wanted to be an author writing Catholic books or did you just want to write? I I just wanted to write because guess what? There weren't a lot of quote Catholic books. And in fact, the children's market for Catholic books up until recently, and I mean like the last five, six years has been pretty lacking in depth and breadth of offerings for children. I think a lot of publishers we're really concentrating on the adult markets and forgetting about or not paying enough attention to, in my opinion, the, the future, you know, the leaders in the Catholic church, the future parents and grandparents, Catholic, you know, families coming up through the kids. A favorite author of mine, Mary Jo Putney said, has this quote I just love. She says, what one loves in childhood stays in the heart forever. Mm. And what better thing could we have children fall in love with than our Lord? Yeah. I love one of the things on your website that you talk about being a young girl doing chores, you know, and, <laughs> and I can just visualize like a, a teenage girl sitting there with a, a book in one hand and a vacuum cleaner in the other. Yep. Um, I, I was 10 years old doing that. And my, my chores included vacuuming, which I could read while I was vacuuming. But they also included mowing the lawn and ironing, which I could not read while I was doing. 
Yeah, that would be hard. Honestly, I, I actually don't know if I could physically vacuum and read a book at the same time. I, I'd like end up running the cord over or, you know, <laughs> sucking up the dog's tail or something like that. So yeah, that's impressive, but I'm sure maybe some of the listeners are able to multitask like that. Anyway, that's so much fun. Like I, I want to ask you about this too. Cause I, I mean, I have um, six kids at home and I know a lot of other people do have, you know, listening to this probably have children or grandchildren. What would you say to young people today that have this dream of, you know, doing something like being an author, right? I mean, like I know kids that when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a, a like a rock star. And my, my parents are like, yeah, don't, you know, don't quit your day job. It's never going to happen. Right. Like I, I was, I was never encouraged to follow my dreams, no matter how crazy they were. It was, it was sort of more like, you know, be realistic and so forth, you know, being something like an author that is so, so amazing. And, and increasingly we live in what's, what, what is known as like this creator economy where more and more people, particularly young people are making a living, creating content. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what would you say, I guess, to young people listening to this or that looking you know, for inspiration in terms of following their dreams. It's funny you should mention that, because, and, and I'm glad you did, because this is reminding me of something that I've wanted to do and haven't had a chance to do. A couple of weeks ago, I was the keynote speaker at a, um, a local Friends of the Library Young Writers Contest awards ceremony. So they were giving out the awards for, the, for elementary school, mostly elementary, some high school students who won their writing contest. And in preparation for that, I pulled up a list of markets that will buy writing from kids. And so I'm going to post that on my website so that if, if there's kids who are young writers, if their parents want to go to my website and can pull up the list and see if this magazine or that magazine, you know, might be appropriate for what their child does. I, I think any child that likes to write has my heart and highly encourage them to continue doing that. And one of the best preparations for writing well is reading a lot because it gives you a good sense of what language sounds like, how stories work. And um, I'm still learning and, you know, it's a never ending process, but it's one that brings me great joy. And any other person who writes, I think, feels the same way about reading and writing and learning to become a better writer. I love that. I mean, that's so great. So be sure to check out that website, folks listening uh, at ClaudiaMcAdam.com. And we can post a link when we post this story, too, so people can get the spelling and all that for it. So, I mean, tell me this. So obviously there's I love those resources. Like there's places right now that anybody listening, if their kids or grandkids want to take a stab at writing, you could submit it. How does that work? I mean, so you were getting started off. You said you started getting published in magazines. Well, what was it like the first time you actually got a publisher to say, hey, we want to do this book with you? Yeah, well, it was wonderful. I'll tell you. Um, the first time I sold an article to uh, a children's magazine when I was, you know, still in college. And to make that sale, it was like, wow, maybe I really can do this. And the first time I really thought, you know what, I... I I'm probably a decent writer was I won the 25th annual highlights for children national fiction contest. I think there were two or 3000 entries and I won that contest. And that was kind of shocking to me. And I I thought, well, I guess what I'm doing, it must not be that bad. (laughs) So it was very encouraging. And then my, my books just last week, I found out that all three of my books that came out last year, won a total of four awards in recent Catholic um, book award competition. Let's do this. Let's, let's jump to our next break. And when we come back, let's talk about that. I want to talk about the Catholic book awards that your titles have won. And, uh, and we'll dig into that a bit more on the other side of this break. So you're listening to Catholic conversations. I'm guest hosting this program. My name is Royce Hood. I'm so glad to be here with you. And with our guest, Claudia McAdam, we'll be right back. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line. 
July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Royce Hood, and we are joined today by Claudia McAdam. You're listening to our interview. And we've been talking about everything from tornadoes to children's books to inspiration. And Claudia has some really exciting news. Four of her titles, was it four of your titles this past year won a bunch of awards? Let's talk about that. Three of my books. I had three books come out last year, and all three of them won um, awards. One book won two awards. So it was really a wonderful surprise for me. My young adult novel, Beckoning, uh, took the 2023 Catholic Media Book Award for the best book for young adults. It took first place. So I was thoroughly delighted with that. And that same um, Media Book Awards named my kid's book, my picture book, Louise Lent, got an honorable mention. So those are two awards from the Catholic Media Book Awards. The Association of Catholic Publishers in their 2023 Excellence in Publishing Awards gave third place to Louise Lent and in the picture book category and to the real presence that we've been talking about in the children's book young readers category. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, that's got to be a great, uh, you know, a great testament to the, the quality and, and the impact that these books can have on, on your readers. Did you ever imagine, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a while now, but as a young girl, like, it's funny to think like, okay, you, you wanted to be an author. I mean, did you ever think that you'd be evangelizing with your authorship? No, the, the good Lord had his plan. You know, um, it, my story, his glory, as the Matthew West song says, he, he has formed me in, and directed my path in such a way where I am so honored to be able to evangelize this way. As a matter of fact, I, um, you know, I got my undergraduate degree in English. I attended the four-year Denver Catholic Biblical School where you go through every word of every book of the Bible and really learn it. And I loved it. And I was thirsting for more. So I entered the Augustine Institute to get my master's degree in theology so that I could infuse my books more with Catholic teaching and tenets. And that, from then on, I've been very, very blessed to have a number of books been published by Catholic publishers. That's so, so cool. And you're like a Hollywood movie star now as well. Well, of course. You know, my, <laughs> my husband and I and our two oldest grandchildren appeared as extras in the Chosen's episode of the feeding of the 5,000. So we're two, three, four of us are little dots in that huge crowd of 5,000, but it was a great, great experience. It was filmed a year ago in uh, Texas, central Texas. And there were 12,000 people actually were there. We were split up in different groups to be part of the 5,000. They came, people came from every state in the union and 36 foreign countries to be part of the filming of the chosen as extras. How cool. And was that like, how did you get signed up for something like that? It was, you know, we're supporters of the chosen financially. And a year, about 18 months ago, they said, look, anybody who wants to pay it forward, that's what they call it uh, at a certain amount, 
will be invited to be a, um, an extra on the set. So I did that for myself and they said, Oh, and if you want to bring family members for just a small amount more of a, of a, it's not a contribution of a pay, paying it forward, you can bring family members. So my husband and I brought our two oldest grandchildren and the four of us had a delightful two days sweltering in record setting heat in Texas in our first century garb that we had to our costumes, we had to make ourselves. And um, it was an experience that you, you cannot replicate the star of that program. Jonathan Rumi is who plays Jesus is a devout Catholic at the end of the last day of filming. He asked the crowd if he could pray the our father for them in Aramaic, which he did. And he started off the prayer by blessing himself in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Which was a beautiful testimony to our Catholic faith. Wow. Yeah. People don't realize he actually had a conversion and um, his story is so, so cool. Like I think even when he was first pitched the idea of the chosen, I I don't know that he had had his conversion yet. I, I could be wrong, but I know at some point he experienced his conversion to the, to the Catholic church and um, like so many others before him, uh, has just embraced it in such a great way. So that's that's pretty cool. So I think it's funny you actually you actually had to make your own costume. Did they give you like parameters? Yes, yeah, you had to stick within certain parameters. And I mean, you couldn't have the piercings or tattoos or strange color hair colors. You know, you, um, no nail polish, no makeup. You take off your wedding rings. I mean, anything that was. 21st century, you had to get rid of eyeglasses. I mean, it was really funny. We were getting ready to film one scene, getting ready to do one take, and right as about ready to start, Jonathan Rumi, who is Jesus, he grabs the microphone and says, excuse me, sir, and he points to some guy in the crowd. He goes, would you mind taking off your sunglasses? That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of those things that, like, if you don't have an eagle eye, you're the editors, you know, two months later in a dark little trailer editing or the studio, and, oh, man, we, this shot is great but we can't use it because there's a dude with glasses on. Like right. you can uh, try to, there's ways to edit something like that out. But what, boy, that's, that's one of those things when you're dealing with such a big crowd, I can imagine how difficult that would be. But I, yep. I think it's, I still think it's hilarious. You guys had to make your own outfit. Like if that was my wife and I, like she would totally be the one responsible for that. Cause I'm terrible at making anything remotely fashionable. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that, that would be so much fun. So uh, tell us what it was like on the set. Obviously tons of people. Did you, um, did they feed you? Did you have like living accommodations? What was that like? You had to pay for your transportation and your hotel accommodations. But the, the day that you were there filming, you know, they transported you. You met at a big stadium. This was right. This was a year ago. So we had to do COVID testing before we left here in Colorado and we had, you know, to make sure we were negative. Then when we showed up, we had to be tested again. And if even one person in your car load tested positive, the whole group couldn't be part of the filming. So they, you know, it was a laborious process, but we, we all got tested and we passed. And then they transported us by bus to the, the big field where the, the, the scene was going to be shot. And they had a big tent set up. And they, yes, they did feed us. They kept us hydrated. They had medical attention. They were wonderful to the, all the extras, and they had um, a lot of Christian uh, entertainers, music entertainers, perform a little mini concert while you're sitting there waiting. And the and the crew, the cast also got up and spoke to people. So, like while we were filming, we could hear cheers over by where the tent was because cast members who weren't in that scene were over there talking with people. So it was it was great fun. It was really really hot, but. Um, it was well worth it. Yeah, that's, were, yeah, that sounds so, so cool. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And uh, I, I can't imagine what you're going to be doing next because you are doing so much, so much already. Tell us about this. Are there any big projects in the works right now that you're able to tell us about? Well, like you said, I've got three books coming out next year. Two of them are picture books. One of them is a, um, a chapter book, which is the first chapter book I've written. So I'm really excited to see how that comes along. So it will be a paperback um, illustrated with pencil drawings, you know, black and white drawings, whereas the other two books will be fully illustrated um, picture books. The first one is St. Paul's Nephew to the Rescue. It's a true story that happened in the Bible that very few people know about where St. Paul's nephew, when St. Paul was arrested, there was a plot to kill him and his nephew got word of it and went and told St. Paul 
and the Roman authorities who were guarding him and saved his uh, uncle's life. So that's that story. And then I mentioned the day God's helper came, which is set at the time of Pentecost, which is, has to do with confirmation and Pentecost. And then the, the chapter book is called Night of the August Snow, and it relates the miracle of a bizarre snowfall in Rome in August in the mid-300s A.D. that marked out the location of where the Blessed Virgin had asked this wealthy couple to build a basilica, a cathedral to her. So they, she appeared to them in a dream and appeared to the Pope in the same dream and said, I want this church built in my honor here because this, this wealthy couple wanted to use their money to honor Mary and they didn't know how. And she appeared to them in this vision. And on the night of August 4th to 5th, a miraculous snowfall fell in Rome that marked the spot where St. Mary Major Basilica would be built. And it stands there today. Wow. That is so cool. That reminds me of like the Laredo story and mm-hmm. some, some of the other just amazing Marian stories that are out there. Just marvelous. Um, Doug Berry, uh, who's, uh, ho- was the host of uh, Life on the Rock a number of years ago and has a podcast and all that, told, told me a story once about St. Michael Gargano. Are you familiar with where the bishops were going to consecrate the altar in this cave that was being used to celebrate Mass? When to consecrate this natural formation. It's like a, a rock formation that looks like an altar. So the bishops are doing a procession to consecrate this altar. And allegedly, if, I, if I'm getting the story right, based on my memory, um, as they're processing up, all of a sudden Michael appears in front of them and says, I've already consecrated the altar. And to this day, that altar is there. It's, a, it's Again, it's a rock. And you can see outside of the cave are two large imprints that resemble very large feet facing out where the procession would have been coming up. And mm-hmm. I don't know, again, that's a, it's a myth. Is that story considered worthy of belief by the church? I don't know or not, but I just think it's so cool, that visual. So what you're talking about with the snow, like I can just imagine like if, if that were to have artwork or were to be depicted, you know, illustrated or, or dramatized, that would be so beautiful. So I can't wait to see those pieces. How much, obviously being a Catholic author, faith is a huge part. How do you get inspired? Like, do you, are you just praying and then an idea pops in your head? You're like, okay, that one, how does yeah, that work? Yes. I, you know, something that I might read will spark the night of the August snow. For example, I was reading my daily devotional on August 4th or 5th some years ago, which is the, the feast of the dedication of St. Mary major and I, I read the story, and I'm like, man, it's really interesting. So I started to research it, and I thought, I would love to write about this. So again, I took two young boys, you know, eight, nine years old. They're the main characters of this story. It's a fictional story about this alleged uh, occurrence. And, I mean, if you know any, any church that's named Our Lady of the Snows, it's named after this miracle. That's where they get that name. Mm. They, and when they celebrate that, that feast day every August 5th in that church, from the ceiling, they um, toss down white rose petals to resemble the snowfall. Wow, that's very, very cool. I love, yes. I'm just Googling it now, Our Lady of the Snows, to see like how many churches pop up with that name. Like I, I, and it's not, my phone is going super, super slow, but it'd be funny to see that. Like I, I, I didn't know that. So you taught me something new today. Um, so, so cool. So when can we expect these books to be released? So St. Paul's Nephew to the Rescue is coming in the spring of 2024 um, around the Feast of uh, Pentecost, or excuse me, the, la, 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 la. yeah, Feast of Pentecost will be uh, the picture book, The Day God's Helper Came. And then hopefully on August 4th, 5th of 2024 will be Night of the August Snow. And, and that course, does that correspond with that particular date or is that? Yes. Yeah. That's, that, the, that's the date of the, the snow, miraculous snowfall. Oh, I love it. Very, very cool. Well, this has been such an awesome interview. We just have a couple minutes left before we wrap up. You're listening to Catholic Spirit Radio. We've got special guest Claudia McAdam. I would encourage everybody listening to check out her website, ClaudiaMcAdam.com. You can click through and see all the different titles. You can see... Um, click through. There's links for her book trailers as well, which is a super cool feature. And then she's got a great bio on there. 
and some pictures from the chosen her uh, her extra footage but did they let you bring a camera in or is it somebody else take those pictures for you no we, you could bring a camera in. as a matter of fact the funny thing was the actors when we were you know between scenes would pull out their cell phones and were taking pictures of the crowd they were so amazed at this mass of people so i even have you know on my website you, there's a link to an article that i have and embedded in that article are videos of Jonathan Rumi praying the Our Father in Aramaic and him speaking to us about uh, the power of miracles in his life and how that can be in our lives as well. So we were able to take our cameras there. We had to, you know, our phones, we had to shut them down and turn them off and stick them under, you know, out of the way of the filming when we were filming. But in between, it, every, anything went. Wow, that's cool. Some sets do not allow phones on set. So that's yeah. that's pretty neat that they do that. And of course, Chosen is produced by Angel Studios and they've got a number of other great pictures in the works right now. And what's cool about Angel Studios is, as you mentioned before, they rely on something known as crowdfunding to get people to help support the productions, which is such a great way for anybody to get involved. And that's something other Catholic filmmakers have relied on in the past. Um, and so that's a, great, that's a great resource. So this is so awesome, Claudia. We're, we're so grateful for your time. I think what we'll do is if we have time left in this program and we can figure it out post-production, we'll throw on the book trailer for A Miracle for Micah so our listeners can check that out um, and they can they can hear about what it's about and then go out and get a copy of that book for your kids or your grandkids. I think it's it'd be a great addition to any home library. Um, cool. Claudia, is there anything else? I'll give you the last word. Anything else you want to say on Catholic Conversations today before we, we end? You know, I, I want to thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real fun time speaking with you, and I love talking Catholic stuff, Catholic books and kids, and um, I just hope families spend the time with their children with quality media, not necessarily my books, but, you know, Catholic books that can really help their children develop a strong and deep love of the Lord. I mean, what what I write, I do because I want kids to learn, love, and live their Catholic faith. And as parents and grandparents, that's, that's our charge. That's our mission, is to bring our kids up so that they're with the Lord in everlasting life and that they have a powerful experience with Him here while they're living on earth. I love it. Great, great way to end the program. Claudia McAdam, we thank you so much for your time today. And you're listening to Catholic Conversations at Catholic Spirit Radio. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com.